Why Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. What episode are you looking at today, James? Today it's Season 3, Episode 8, Diane Meets Mark. This came out on the 22nd of November, 1984. Written by David Lloyd and directed, of course, by James Burroughs. How would you describe this episode? I'd say it's a fun one. I enjoy it. The title kind of describes the whole episode. Mm. Diane Meets Frazier's Mum. Which meets mixed responses. There's some good elements in there. There's some humour, of course. This is a sitcom after all. There's also a B-plot of sorts. Yeah. Which we'll delve into as the episode goes on. Where shall we begin, James? Shall we start with the cold open? Quite a nice one. In the cold opening, we uh, see Coach and a phone repairman comes to fix the phone at the Cheers bar. Exactly what happens. You've described it perfectly. Coach doesn't remember asking for one, so he tries ringing. Quite typically, Coach is quite confused. When he goes to do the call, obviously he finds that the phone is broken. I mean, thankfully, there's a phone repairman there. I mean, that, that's what Coach says as well. And he says, uh, What do you think he happened by you, huh, Carlos? Sometimes fate takes a hand, Coach. Coach is overjoyed. Do you want to have a look at this to save you going on whatever wild ghost chase you're here for? It reminds me a little bit of um, a few episodes back. I think it might be season one where the soon-to-be priest comes in and it's the miraculous fixed piano. One for the book, I believe. It's that episode and uh, it's kind of a reverse of what this is at the moment and it's called open. But everyone's like, how did the piano work? And Coach goes, it's a miracle. I fixed it. <laughs> I, I called someone to fix it. Kind of reminds me of a reverse of that. Well spotted. <laughs> a lovely cold opening. Can't go wrong when it's featuring coach. So we uh, we start the main episode with Diane looking a bit sort of skittish. She's yeah. just pacing the bar a little bit. She's waiting for Frazier to arrive for the bar with his mother, because they all are going out for dinner together. And what, what establishment are they going to go to, James? Melville. Of course, there's no yeah. other. <laughs> not the hungry heifer, we're not going there. No, no, who's above that? So we think. Yes, yeah, so that's where they decide to go, and, well, what we have realised so far is that Frasier and Diane are more cultural than your usual clientele at Cheers, I think is the best way to put it. Frasier, from what I can tell, was written as the anti-Sam, where Sam was from what seems to be a working-class background, very sports-oriented. Frasier is more of the... Highbrow. Yeah, nouveau-ish type into literature, art, very much suited to Diane in terms of being a partner. When Frasier's mother comes along, it's pretty much how you would imagine Frasier's mother to be. She's a doctor as well, so it must run in the family. It's in the genes. Um, but his mother is Dr. Hester Crane. Potentially another crane on the brain this episode. Twice the crane. Twice the crane, too. Yeah, they're both uh, psychiatrists as well. Psychologists? They're both doctors of the brain, are they not? Psychiatrists. Yes, and that, that fuels Diane's anxiety a bit more, yeah. especially after going on her... Um, nervous vacation. Nervous vacation, yeah. She's just come back off that, and now she's going out for dinner with Rage's mum, who she believes will see through all of her psychiatric problems. For those familiar with another sitcom, The Big Bang Theory, one of the main characters in that show has a mother as a psychiatrist as well. And I believe Nancy Marchand's portrayal as Dr. Hester Crane was very much a precursor to what we would later see as the psychiatrist's mother in The Big Bang Theory. I think it is very much the uh, archetype of mm. <laughs> what we see in a lot of 
Are you sure? It's quite a similar premise, isn't it? This idea of me- meeting uh, your partner's mother or parents is always intimidating, but then you, you heighten it with this. They're also a psychiatrist. <laughs> They're also a psychiatrist. Heightens it more. Classic sitcom. It is. Uh, and this was potentially the start of it. Now, you mentioned Nancy March and Trace Hester Crane. Should I go through the other guest cast? Oh, yes, please do. Nancy Marchand as Hester Crane. She also appeared in Spencer for Hire, The Naked Gun, Law and Order, and Coach, but is perhaps best well known for her final role as Livia Soprano, Tony's mother in The Sopranos. And that's a series you recently watched, subject. Yeah, I recently uh, rewatched it, both in Sopranos and in this. It's just incredible. In this episode, and we'll delve into this later, she shows a lot of emotional range but you definitely see the tease of what she could be like as the mother of a mob boss and we'll <laughs> explain that later john knows exactly what i'm referring to we also have tom kindle as the phone repairman he appeared in the incredible hulk in 1978 little house on the prairie flamingo road new heart Leamington steel and played various characters in mork and mindy and aftermash Larry Harpole returns as Larry. Thank you for that rundown, James, of all the uh, guest cast in this episode. Yeah. March and the Bean, particularly, of note there. And you mentioned her Sopranos, I was going to say Roots, but that's her future. Uh, this is the root of her Sopranos role. You can definitely see aspects of that. Livia Soprano and Norma Bates at times. We do see them come back from uh, dinner at Malvo's, the trio. Yeah. Diane, Frasier, Frasier's <coughs> mother. And uh, they're having a swell time. Frasier can't believe it, they're the best of friends. They're going to have another sit-down and have a drink and cheers. It's going great. Until... Hester threatens Diane. Frasier goes up to get some uh, around of drinks to celebrate. And when he goes, Frasier's mother turns to Diane and says... Stop seeing my son, or as God is my witness, I'll kill you. <laughs> bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> as I say, Soprano. Yeah, good old Hester Crane takes things to the next level and uh, threatens Diane. This isn't great for uh, buying off the back of her nervous vacation. It is not. It is followed up with another quote. I have a gun. I know how to use it. <laughs> Very surprising. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think maybe Frasier uh, comes from a long line from mock bosses. Him and Tony are a strange sibling. <laughs> There's a prequel film to The Sopranos um, called The Many Saints of Newark. If we don't see as a plot twist that Tony Soprano and Frasier Crane are secret siblings, I'd be very, very mildly disappointed. I'd be disappointed, maybe, James. <laughs> After their tippled and cheers, Frasier proposes that they go on for another drink elsewhere, and Diane's now a bit intimidated. Calls and goes, no, I'll be, I'll be all right. You guys go on. I'll hang here. Yeah. And cheers. Hester pulls up the finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> Hester's got away. She's rubbing it in, though. She yeah. put salt in those wounds. She says, uh, you need a night on the town like you need a hole in the head. Let's talk about the B-plot as a little levity to, you know, the whole murder threat. Is there levity? Potentially this B-plot has more and more injuries than the A. Let's say why. It's it's Norm's birthday. It's whose birthday? Norm's. Oh, but we won't make a big deal. No. It's Norm, Norm wants a nice, casual person to coach you. Don't tell him why. No. It's my birthday, but, you know, I'm not proud of it. I just, just happened to be born this day many years ago. I right? coach, leave me alone. But in reality, he's fishing for a cake. Fishing for a cake. <laughs> he wants a celebration. <laughs> Where do you find cake? The ice hole? What's the ice hole? <laughs> <laughs> no, as in like he's when you fish for a compliment. Oh, I see. He's fishing for a cake. He wants a party. Oh, I see. I, I thought you meant physically fishing for a cake. I don't know. I don't know why he's went to cheers on his birthday. 
Those all his friends are there. Everyone knows his name. He comes in. He says, it's my birthday, but, you know. Don't make a big deal. Don't make a big deal about it. But do make a deal, big deal out of it. Make some of a deal, but you know, not a big deal. And, and then he, coach in typical fashion goes, hey, everyone, it's Nam's birthday. He comes over, says, happy birthday. Sam comes over. He says, ah, I'm going to drink my best customer. I'm going to crack open a lovely bottle of some fizz. What could go wrong? In cheers, at least one thing. The, the comical hijinks continues. Can we try opening the bottle? Yeah. But it's not the drink that's the problem. It's the cork. I like the sound it made, though. Come on now! And that ricochet bounces none other than straight into Norm's forehead. The birthday guy got what he wanted. A fuss. That's exactly what happened. Little tidbit, though. Norm stays here's 36 in this episode. This episode could have likely been filmed on George Wendt's actual 36th birthday. Working on the day of his birth. How dare he. Not going to book it off. Interesting turn of fate. It's now 2020, Hmm. 36 years after this episode aired. And double the time. George Wendt is double the age. Time flies. Yeah. Much like champagne corks. Nice segue, James. I'll commend that. (laughs) (laughs) Corks to the face. Norm's like, I'm fine. Just have a drink. Right, I got a rap in the head all the time in baseball. I never went to a doctor. And you'll keep my glass, Joe? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads us on to later in the episode when Norm returns after visiting the doctor. The medical bills. Land straight onto Sam's desk. I had to go to a hospital because of something which happened on this establishment. So. I mean, I get it. I, I guess America works differently. Something which uh, we probably don't grasp as much. I mean, you'd potentially do some compensation. Yeah. If, uh, there was long lasting. They'd pop a cork in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Across the pond here, it's something which didn't seem to have as much of a resonance because of various cultural mm. differences. I mean, um, I, I was expecting a little bit of resilience from Sam because of my like. Oh, right. But he wasn't expecting what was on the medical bill. $683. Yeah, my trivia done. But it Norm took a little bit of advantage. Yeah, he had a mole removed. There's my other question off the trivia done. He rolled the dice, took his chances. Oh, Sam, I figured you'd want to throw in the mole. Makes a nice birthday gift, you know? <laughs> Alright, you want to be hard-nosed about it? Come on, I'll pay for it. Hey, come no, on. No, no, no. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy ending. And, uh, and that was the end of the B-plot. Alright, right, then. How much would you pay to get a mole removed in? Sorry, is that a personal question? <laughs> no, I've never had to have a mole removed. Though I have had a friend who had a mole, uh, and he His would... name was Thor. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was saying that um, he would have to pay if it was for cosmetic purposes. Yeah. Whereas if it was actually posing medical things, then you could have it removed for free. That's same with braces. Teeth braces? Yep. Could be leg braces. When I was younger, they were like... Your teeth, they're not bad enough to have braces. But we can make your braces to make them worse, so you can get them for free. I mean, <laughs> that's like a retainer to push them a little bit more back. So you so can get, get braces. fixed braces to bring them in. Loopholes. So what are the braces for? Ah, because my teeth are too so good. I've got to make them worse before they can get better. What a strange, strange life you've lived. <laughs> that moves us back to the A-plot. It's a short B-plot. We didn't want to make too much of a fuss about it. I knew. A birthday. Back onto the A-plot. And another day, Diane's ready. She's realised that 
Maybe Pistol was joking. Maybe it's all just a barrel of laughs and Diane should get on board with the joke. So she starts. Well, I was going to say from a 1 to a 10. I think implying shooting you is well, at least yeah, a 6. So she says from a 6 to a 10. And Diane says... We're not going to put the woman in a rest home. We'll have her with us always. We're going to have her stuffed. I alluded to it earlier with the Norma Bates comment. The comment of having your parents stuffed reminds me of... Spoiler. Psycho. In that it's revealed at the end that the mother of Norman Bates is in the basement as a skeleton. Dead in the chair. Yeah. If anyone out there has seen Bates Motel. Dead in the chair. Dead in the chair. So yeah, it reminded me of that. Basically, Hester Crane is quite a sinister character. (laughs) That's all I've got to say about that. What I'd quite like to think is in the sort of limbo between dead in the chair and like dead, there was like at least a season or two of like Weekend at Burning. Norman's acting a bit weird. No, Norman's fine. It says mother's acting a bit. She's still wearing sunglasses a lot more. <laughs> anyway, it was a good show. Bates more time. We'll move on. So yeah, Diane pushes the conversation to sort of make some jokes. Fraser's mother is like, she's wicked and cruel. Fraser's like, I don't know what's going on. They have a, you know, they have a chat in Sam's office because it's the only private space. Because the pool room is busy. <laughs> and Diane's apartment is too far. And how does the conversation go, James? Well, it turns out Hester is afraid her little crane is leaving the nest or needs to get someone better or deserves someone better. Again, because they form this hoity-toity, witchy whatnot society. That's the technical term. And then uh, Diane brings out quite a good the, point. The big guns. Dr. Crane, I'm sorry if I made a bad first impression, but I think... No, I know it was a wrong impression. And then they're all friends. To elaborate on Diane's quote, she says... I may be a diamond in the rough now, but I'm a dreamer and I have a habit of making dreams come true. When and if I marry Fraser Crane, I will be the kind of wife and family you'll be proud to know and claim. People will get tired of hearing you boast about your daughter-in-law. Just nice. A nice little way to cap off the episode. I also like how Fraser gets... He supports Diane in this argument and Hester says, I don't want you being a sherbet shoveler. Fraser says, You don't understand. We're not going to have a bad marriage, and I'm not going to shovel sherbet. But I would be happy doing it if Diane were at my side. She gets nice. And everything seems to be fine. And then when they're off, Hester goes to talk to Sam. One last jump. Yeah, and offers to pay him to effectively seduce Diane. Yeah. Which, we've said it often, this seems like a very sly audition for her role as uh, Livia Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, You don't have enough money. How would you know? There isn't enough money. <laughs> that's how it ends. What a joke. I don't know why it reminds me, it just reminds me of that Johnson quote from Peep Show. It's like, Everyone has his price, Jeremy, and I estimate you also be 130 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good parallel to draw. I'm ready to make an indecent proposal. It's just a bizarre ending. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is the ending, though. So we'll have to wait and see how that carries off into the next episode. And if anything comes of that, and I wonder if we'll ever see Fraser's mother again. She sort of becomes a mob boss in New Jersey. Oh yeah, of course, I've heard about that. But we'll see it in that upcoming film you want, that prequel film. Prequel. We'll see a younger version. Betrayed, I believe, by uh, Vera Farmiga, who played Norma Bates in Bates Motel. It's all connected. It was so, so good a podcast. You know, let's all come back around and it all makes sense. You thought we were just talking nonsense. That's the trivia bell, James, and that can only mean one thing. We've had some lovely trivia been delivered. Do you want to kick it off with some trivia today, James? I think so. What 
three pieces of advice does Coach give Diane for the dinner with Frazier's mother? Mm. I think it's the same advice he gave to um, Lisa, his own daughter. Mm. I'm afraid I don't have an answer yet. Don't snap your gum. Don't chew with your mouth open. Don't play with your bra straps. Diane mentions her favourite paper that she's written. What was the name of this paper? Is it on C.G. Young? Hello, young lovers. Yeah. Which, which was great. Is it a nice print? Nice print like that. I feel like we're going to get a lot more of them with Frasier sticking about. Another one? What is the name of the maitre d' at Melville's? Mel. No, it's, uh, it's Vic. I should have gone for Bill. That was closer. <laughs> when Diane's threatening Frasier's mum in a very humorous, jokey way, she says when they commit uh, to a resting home, they're going to make sure that there are only two forms of recreation. Is it something like strangling and beating? Beating and starving are the only forms of recreation. <laughs> you know, just good humour from Dan. Uh. What does Fraser pretend to order for him, Diane and Hester? And what does he actually order? He pretends to order something he, as a joke. He pretends to order three pounds of schultz. Three pounds of schultz, yes. And I believe he just gets a bottle of some fancy wine. If by fancy wine you mean a pair of liqueur, yes. Fancy wine. That's going to be our house special, fancy wine. Yeah, <laughs> fancy wine. With pears. I'd rather have the schultz. Schlitz. Schultz. Schlitz. I'm saying it right. As stated earlier on, Tom Kindle appears as the phone repairman. Mm-hmm. But what is the name of the phone repairman? Roger. Phil Ryan. Any pun in there? I thought it was going to be like a phone pun for a second. That would be good, but no. Uh, Mr. Phone Paul. <laughs> Yeah, got, got nothing. That's the last call at the bar, James. What are we drinking? Well, I wanted the, the Schultz. Can I have the fancy wine? You can have fancy wine, I'll have Schultz. I get three cans, so. So it's an equal amount of. You wine. have your pear juice. <laughs> <laughs> so much hatred in that sentence. <laughs> What's our write up on this episode? I think it was a fun one. Fun, if quite sinister. Medical bills, murder threats, everything you want from a Cheers episode. I think uh, we've got to draw back to the, the line. You need a night out on the town, but you need a hole in the head. Norm wanted a night on the town. And he, and got, he got a cork. He got a hole in the head, kind of. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Should we raise our... our, our well, I've got my three tins of shots. I'm carrying them in the, the, uh, and you've the got triangle some, you've formation. you've got some kind of funnel formation. Yeah, and I've got my pear juice. bottle of fancy pear juice. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. A cheers podcast.